intro that we normally do uh, I, I only had the four butthole jokes or the four butthole questions um, anyone know any good butthole trivia I'm, I'm just gonna do some jellicle cat asmr i really hate this i <laughs> <laughs> really really hate this um anyone got some good cat stories um there was that time that lou pissed on all of our book bags oh no it was just yours <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it was uh, you know, it was uh, specifically your mm-hmm. book bag, and then after you moved out, and my other and my new roommate moved in, uh, she she peed in his book bag too. <laughs> it's just, huh. she amazingly hasn't done it to Becca. So it's got a thing then, huh? Uh, just dudes' backpacks, apparently. <laughs> That's fucking weird. Uh, hey, uh, welcome to Drazzle, uh, the podcast that takes award-winning worst films and fixes them. I'm host Jack Colbertson, and here along with me, as always, is also host Joe Nealis. Um We are doing, for the first time, a part two. Uh, Wait, I get to be on the first two-parter? You're, you're on the first this part two. This is the two. first two-parter. Yeah. yeah, we've never had to do this before. Uh, Fuck you guys. I think, we, yeah. I think we, had, we had talked about maybe doing it for Battlefield Earth. Yeah, because it was a long episode. Because it was a long episode, but we were able to trim it down well enough to fit into yeah. our... The time frame we desire. Like nobody wanted like an extended Lord of the Rings cut version of Cats, so we're splitting it in two. Uh, all the movies on Drazzled won Worst Picture at the Razzies the year they were released. The Razzies, for those of you who don't know, are something a reverse Oscars. They recognize the worst films of the year. Um, once again, we're dealing with cats. We're continuing. To we're continuing deal with cats. Oh, doggy. Uh, so <laughs> if you. <laughs> I'm sober. Um, <laughs> I'm unfortunately sober. So if if you're listening to this before you listen to the first part, I'm I'm confused, why? and I'd like to know what why I need. I'm gonna send you a survey to fill out so we can better understand um, you. Get a hold of us. We're on uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, let us know why you would know where on Instagram and Facebook if you listened to the last episode. <laughs> Uh, but for those of you who just need a refresher, we talk about cats. Cats. It was a musical, and the the it sings about. Cats. It's about cats. <laughs> it's it's all cats. Um, they're they're the porn community had a response that was positive. No, largely no, negative. Largely the, negative. The porn. The porn. No, largely not, negative. Uh, so I should say largely indifferent. Oh, there we except go. Except for Taylor Swift. Oh, uh, uh, no. Again, um, like the worst possible answer was celebrity fakes, mm, and that's it. the only thing that got uh, any trash. The, the furry community also had a response that deeply was negative. deeply negative. Deeply negative. Yeah. Um. But the children of the McElroys, deeply positive. <laughs> Don't put those things next to each other. <laughs> you're you're right. Uh, I'm the pervert here. So we are now in what would normally be Act Three, and we still are. It's just going to be a real big one. Um, and in, in in Act Three, what we do is uh, we talk about what worked for the film and what didn't work. Uh, the first thing we're going to do is talk about the cast. So. In the movie Cats, who works? Vince? I mean... Oh, shit, I didn't introduce... Hey, this is Vince. He's he's our victim. <laughs> yeah, who who are the two people that are on this? Right, yeah, it's... <laughs> 
we just have very we're very good at voice work joe and i um we're doing <laughs> it's just voices. been jack and um, i in a room the entire time yeah. <laughs> secret ventriloquists uh so so uh, again once again uh guesting we have special expert rob huckberry uh and then uh, sap victim uh <laughs> vince stefano i'm sorry vince vince who worked for you uh, it's really hard for me to say that Ian McKellen doesn't work in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he worked for me too. Yeah, I, I think that uh, he he brought a weird, ignoble and also noble gravitas. Yeah, to mm. just being a cat, a theater like so he he was both like old timey theater guy whose glory days are behind him, and also cat that rubs his face on stuff. Yeah. Um, and he like <laughs> went hard on both of them with a plum. Yeah. Um, uh, it's yeah, it's hard for me to say no to him. I also weirdly uh, what's narrator cat's name again? Monkus trap. Monkus trap. Mm-hmm. Is that M-O-N-G? M-U-N. It's all, it's all use. Yeah. It's a lot of use. Monga strap. Um, uh, he also kind of worked for me after, as you said last time, creepy guy in the corner of a party. Right. He started off that way and then quickly became like, oh no, he makes me feel a tiny bit safe. Right. He's the leader yeah. of the rest of this movie. He's yeah. the, the narrator, but he's also like the leader of the group who guides you through this world. The face of the Jellicle Cats. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as Jellicle Cat Face, I think he did a really good job <laughs> of uh, Sherpa-ing me through the shadow of the Valley of Death. <laughs> who who worked for you? It's it's hard to say. There there's obviously Ian McKellen does really nice with his part. Um, there are a lot of like what we would call the no names that I think do well with where they were told to take the character. Like I hate what they did with Horny Mistopheles. <laughs> but I feel yeah. like the actor really committed to it and did well with what he was told to do. I also have him, uh, Laurie Davison. Yeah, like I, I thought, you know, I, Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser, same thing. I thought that mm-hmm. fucking siblings was weird, but yeah. they committed to what the director gave them. So you also read that scene the same way? Yeah. All right, cool. How um, can you not? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's definitely a weird threesome. Okay, yeah. It is. And then there's things like if I listen uh, to Jennifer Hudson's performance, I think it's mm-hmm. brilliant and breathtaking and amazing. She's but then I see CGI snot, mm-hmm. and yeah, they just—they made some really like she was sabotaged by what they did around her. Her voice is amazing. Though. I, I don't she, think there's oh. a single actor in this that wasn't sabotaged by the production itself. Like even though I liked E. McKellen, mm-hmm. he's held back by one the narrative that he's given, and two the world he exists in. But <laughs> yep. him as a performer, loved it. Yeah. Um, same thing with Laurie Davison. Uh, he, he, uh, uh, Mistopheles specifically had something really hard on Candy Valley for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it was about like white fur on his like pale ass face. It was his hands. I figured his this hands out. Fucking weird too. Yeah. yeah. His hands were, so he's black and white cat, mm-hmm. really hard colors on his face, pink fleshy human hands. Yes. Ugh. Right. They I didn't change they can... it for some fucking reason. Doesn't he have like kind of pink fleshy lips too? I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Now um, I just want someone to go back in and like Photoshop in just like like hairy knuckles and like a, <laughs> like a bunch of rings. But because he's a magic cat, they're trying to draw attention. Oh, uh, that's it. Well, they did. Yeah. I get it, but it also now looks like a cat with yes. human hands. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, uh, hard agree on Jennifer Hudson, by the way. Um, yeah. 
she actually both times I've watched it, um, not the first two, but the third time she sings it, I feel something. Yeah. Other than horror, which is amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like, I I don't mind Francesca, whatever, who's playing Victoria the White Cat. Just, uh, She's doing yeah. a very good impersonation of Emmy Rossum in Phantom of the Opera with just <laughs> gaze face. <laughs> but it's all, it's all gaze face. It's all, but that's also like the character. Yeah. Because yeah. they created something that wasn't really there yeah, yeah. and like, like i love cassandra in the stage show she's the um siamese cat the one that's off by herself with the slightly darker lines and all she is is a raging bitch in the movie and like is she the one that like walks up to people and hisses and that's yes, all she does okay i know who we're mm. talking about i just referred to her as like diva cat throughout the summary because i didn't know who that was and i mean i'm, I'm part swifty but we're not going to discuss that <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to talk about Rule 34 for the rest of this episode, too? <laughs> she's just, she, she's the only person I know as a performer who I'm like, I really enjoy watching them in concert. There's uh-huh. energy. And it just has never translated to anything I've seen her in film with. Which is hmm. weird because, like, the movie almost stops when she appears. Uh-huh. We get a music, a, t- a Taylor Swift music video. Yeah. Then it's done. Yeah, and it, we continue with the movie. And it, yeah. it totally, it's annoying as fuck that they did this. They totally, because they only had her for a week. Uh-huh. Yep. Virtually every move she does as Bomb Ballerina is from a Taylor Swift video. Like they oh, recreated okay. stuff she already knew. Because she's an amazing dancer when she has time to learn it. She probably sure. didn't. So they picked all of basically that her moves sense. to stick in there and cut two thirds of the character from the show. Wow. Like Bomb Ballerina is in the whole show. She has multiple stuff to do yeah. without. She's part of the, the trio's earlier. Like she. Mm-hmm. And they she was cut in on the threesome there. as well. Yeah. yeah. And then. <laughs> All Force they did is made her. <laughs> Tom's like, "Be high, Taylor." And of course, Taylor's too sweet to ever have been high, right, so yeah. she doesn't know what it's like. So this high pseudo sex kitten that's a virgin yeah. thing comes across. It was it was a lot of weird flavors. Um, <laughs> yeah, Rob, you're the only thing that gives any substance to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you're high. <dude. laughs> I just shout prevert. <laughs> Joe laughs at it. That's about it. I'm very yeah. easily amused. <laughs> I'm here for the boring parts of the conversation. <laughs> um, Joe, is there anybody that you felt? Um, I mean, we talked about in the first episode just like um, how much we like weirdly enjoyed Growl Tiger for reason. <laughs> for his, like 30 seconds on screen, yeah. yeah. Um, a quick pans room. Yeah. <laughs> a quick Carl pans room. Uh, good Lord. Uh, honestly, I think that might, might wrap it up for everyone that kind of works i'm gonna say dame judy dench had some moments that felt really awkward that, like when she like yeah she's sitting on the couch and she lifts her leg yeah that huh. clang for me super we'll hard get we'll get to the it. catasthenics moment was just yeah awful. <laughs> but then there are a bunch of moments where it's like i you know f- actually felt drawn to like this queenish character um so like half a dame judy dench yeah, there are aspects of her in that role that do work, and I think that is largely the gravitas around her. Sure. Like, if I didn't know her from other films, I would not have enjoyed her performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I and I really didn't. Like, I've because I have seen her in other stuff, I'm like, you can do way better. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was given turds to work with, so. I mean, that, was, that might be an insult to turds. <laughs> Sorry, turds. <laughs> but also, um, like, they... There's an inconsistency to her Deuteronomy because they added layers to the character that aren't there in the stage show. Like, he's just this nice, beloved uber cat in yeah. the movie. 
Uh, I mean, the stage show. And in the movie, there are times when she's like a female dog. Like, she gets snippy and really catty at different points that don't really fit who the character is for the rest of the movie. Cat Yahweh. The <laughs> the vibe I got from the show, from Yahweh. Deuteronomy, was very, uh, was kind of like Father Christmassy. Yes. Kind of, um... <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> Father yeah, Christmas is getting ready that. to star in Where the Wild Things Are, the musical. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone loves him. He's big and jolly. Like, yeah. And mm-hmm. sometimes he shoots a cat into space. And sometimes he eats a cat into space. He offers like, a like... hand to gently put her on a used tire. Yes. <laughs> um, did you guys not uh, care for Rum Tum Tugger? Because I, I didn't mind him. I actually, you know, I will say Jason Derulo, uh, he... he... He didn't clang for me. Mm-hmm. I'll say that much. Except, what about milk? Well, that, I mean. Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Dude really like milk. He's got strong bones. Really... Uh, he has a vitamin D deficiency. I <laughs> just don't like the character in general, but I think he played the character well as written. He brought a good swagger yes. to the character, I think. But and he's up for butt stuff. He's up for butt stuff. Just... <laughs> Which is always wonderful to do butt stuff. However, the problem is he sucks at all of his non-featured moments. Ah, Anytime oh, yeah. he's in a background shot or he has like a one line here or there, he's totally, he phoned it in. Hmm. Probably that, yeah. did. They filmed him on his phone because it was better than what they had to work with in the raw material. <laughs> Jesus. There was the scene where the... the awful scene where Bustopher Jones is getting CGI champagne from Tucker. Oh, yeah. That, and I'm like, this feels weird in every possible me. way. Yeah. Every time, like, both times I watched it, I had to recoil at the... <laughs> so, glug, glug, sing, glug, glug, sing. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh-huh. Remember I, when I, I think I, said, I repressed that. And he mentioned it the earlier, so... <laughs> uh, in, the, in the first part, I mentioned that the soundtrack cuts out 99% of the shit. Yeah. They kept the glug, glug. No, that's the 1%. <laughs> that's the 1%. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> that's not that's not the that's show, a right? bad sign when your soundtrack for a musical has to be re-recorded for release as a commercial album like even as shitty as mama mia is yeah. they didn't record re-record it for release i hate it um god so the, the way we normally do this is we do cast story themes production i do have one other additional cast sure. thing uh my wife picked up on a fact that horrified me mm-hmm. James Corden is billed ahead of Judy Dench and like everybody else. Fucking what? Yeah. James Corden, I'm pretty sure is first billed in the credits at the end. What? Excuse me? <laughs> I don't know why. How? Is it alphabetical? No, it's not alphabetical and it's not in order of appearance. I mean, I'm it's a sad statement. Yeah. It's probably <laughs> actually nothing. the most famous person. Of the, I know because Taylor no. is bigger than him. Yes. That is. Wow, he's got a really good agent. Can I sign up? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking. I, maybe it's like a signing thing. Like he'll sign on if you yeah. do X, Y, Z. Um, and that's probably why like, they expanded Bustopher. Yeah, that's entirely possible. Bustopher and Jenny were both larger in the movie than, <laughs> but I'm bumping than you on stage. <laughs> uh, cool. I hate it. Um, <laughs> what worked for story? What worked for story? Nothing. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing. I, I was going to be amazed if you did. <laughs> well, we covered earlier how, okay, CGI side Grizabella's arc works. You get to see a character suffer pain and move on to something. But new. we, like, that was, uh, the, aside, that was like, aside from her performance, there is nothing of her pain. She's no. just in pain. And we're told she had to live in the wasteland. And right. that is 
all of the story. That's kind of not a plot. There's if you pay really close attention to the lyrics, there there is more story there about mm. how like she fell for the guy who was going to make her a star, and then uh-huh. the first wrinkle he threw her out. I mean, it's a story we've seen a thousand times, but yeah. But it, like, it's also I guess like for plot wise, even when I watch musicals, I'm not an avid musical consumer, but the times when I do. My favorite ones are the ones where I'm shown and not told. Yeah. And this is just like a song about how shit's sad and then she yeah. goes to space. I and mean, that's, that's the entire story. That's everything Andrew Lloyd Webber's ever written. <laughs> the I, I mentioned this in part one. The only part of the story I enjoyed was the added song and interaction, uh, Beautiful Ghosts, mm. where Victoria responds to Grisabella. And they have an interaction about like, we both want more than this, um, but we're connecting in our loneliness and our desire to be, you know. And it's, you're right. It's the only time in the movie where there's an emotional connection between two characters mm-hmm. that isn't sex or comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not in the show. Nope. And not in the show. <laughs> the one thing that upsets me about that uh-huh. uh, is in an interview, Taylor Swift was you know was asked about like, what it's like, what it's right. like to write a song for this, and she said, "Well, I mean, you know, when you're, you're doing Cats, you, you you if you can't get T. S. Eliot, you get T. S. And I vomited, blacked <laughs> out, woke up three days later. <laughs> we should keep in mind she did not write the entire song. She only right, she wrote, the wrote she wrote it along along with Andrew Lloyd Webber, didn't she? She wrote words. He put music to it. He doesn't collaborate on his end of things. Right. Hmm. Which is why all of his uh, collaborators have left him. Huh. <laughs> How about that? Hi, Tim Rice. Uh, okay. <laughs> so do we feel good with moving on from story? As the far as what did. worked? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> all right, cool, cool. We'll go, we'll go on the themes. Yeah, do it. Uh, so what worked as far as themes go? I have... The wanting to belong, longing for the past. Um, basically, Grisabella, Victoria, and Gus's narrative, and then nothing else. I found the I found the overwhelming enthusiastic desire to die pretty relatable. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Joe, I don't know if we're going to be able to find a chandelier. <laughs> this may be me reaching. There is a theme, I think, it's a little stronger in the stage show, but just because of the structure, it's like... Uh-huh. Anecdote, 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 anecdote. Each cat is celebrating what makes them special and unique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is a theme through of accept your differences. I like that. I l- and when we go to the fix, I kind of have something similarly where it's not there. The theme is not there unless you really look for it and you're almost putting it there yourself. Like the the puzzle pieces are there, but they're not put together. Um, the quilt is laid out. The pieces have been stitched together. Right. Uh, production. Anything with a production work, I don't th- like. Honestly, I don't think so. Like, I don't think any part of the production. I was like, this is so good. the shot of the Moulin Rouge wheel was that was nice. nice. Yeah, whoever felt the need to put that in there. Um, there are like flickering moments of cinematography like that that pop up and are. But who had the idea to put the literal pearl necklace on her in a three-way sex? <laughs> I. Oh God, they sure did do that. They sure did. I'm so glad Yeesh. we keep returning to this. <laughs> you brought it up, and uh, we've not been able to. Well, actually, yeah, we can't. We, yeah, it's just, it's forever just going to be right at the forefront of my goddamn mind as we do this. But speaking of moments of cinematography, the introduction of Gus with Mistopheles in the background, where he's soft focus 
and you're I, focusing yeah. on. Yeah. I did really like that shot. Yeah, it's pretty sad that that's what we're going to as a positive. Because there's <laughs> so, so few. Like, scraping the bottom of the barrel. Um, we dug under the barrel. <laughs> we're halfway I, to sink. That's kind of what you have to do, though. With this, it's just so much. Like, so much of it is just so. I it 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 I it oscillates from overwhelming and like washed out to just straight up boring and yeah it's both at the same time all the time yeah i actually i'm kind of curious you had mentioned earlier that like a lot of the uh vfx mm-hmm. um was a a labor hellscape and yeah. b like people like chucked all of the problems on the uncanny valley that ended up coming out of it which was a major fucking component but um would as a person actually have have you uh rob do you do any movie stuff or just purely theater 99 percent theater okay uh so for people who have done any Mm -hmm. film production stuff um does most of that lay on like director producer editor where does like the 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 fact that outside of the uncanny valley of the CG, mm. the like the fact that everything else is a production nightmare, where does the rest of that usually fall? Are you uh, what specific element are you referring to? I guess fucking all of it. So we like, we actually had a very similar conversation <laughs> yeah. with with Mike and our guilty pleasure. Episode. It's like art art direction. Um, uh, shot choice, like fucking all of it feels bad. Yeah. Gotcha. It, um, oh, we God. had, what, yeah, what we, yeah, we, we had, talking about? Oh, we were talking about Daredevil. We were talking about Daredevil. Yeah. How, because the, uh, the, the director was also the writer Mark and Je- Mark Steven Jacobson. Mark Zuckerberg. Mark, Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> Jingle uh, Heimer. G- g- give him a quick, quick look. Um, so basically what we, we discussed, who is to blame for Daredevil? Uh, and the, I think the the desired answer is a single person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more satisfying to say like "fuck you," director or producer. Good old hoops. Or, yeah, um, <laughs> good old, good old Tommy like, Hoops. <laughs> the, you, there's never just one. There's person, never though. just one person. It, 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 when you're doing something is of this scale with this with so many people involved and so much money wrapped up in it, there's never just one person. There's so. like a sore thumb that sticks out. Oh yeah, but. Even if you you can't blame it all on Tom Hooper because I mean I mean he's I mean to be fair he is a thumb who has been whapped with a hammer quite a few times yes. in the course of this like, he stands out quite a bit mm-hmm. but no but I think I think whenever it comes to those decisions revolving around the visual effects like I feel like his his uh his influence is has got to be minimal uh, he's I imagine there's a lot of studio work there there's a lot of product a lot of producer influence there. If kind of um, like what we did with Avatar, where it's like here are the big things that made this movie impossible to be good. Mm-hmm. The the things that would fix this movie, um, time. Yeah, you gave the video effects people can do their job. You gave them four months. No, no, no. I'm not at I'm all. actually it's, like really impressed with what they did with four months. Yeah, like it's it, it, yeah, it's, it's 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 like with the last Airbender how they had to pivot all that time into converting yeah. so much of it to 3D at the last minute. Yeah. But even like shot choice and art direction, like I feel like those things fall outside of like that time crunch or do they not? You it, still need, so like the people who desi- decide the actual time allotted are the execs, right? Mm. Like the people at the top. And they very much wanted this to be a Christmas release. Yeah. 
they also decide that, you know, they'll talk to the director, they'll talk to the director heads and say, like, how much time do you need for XYZ? They'll negotiate that. Um, David Fincher on Alien 3 was like, I need X, Y, and Z. And they're like, you get ABC, which is much less in each of these areas. And then it went, uh, the, according to the executives, it went over on all those things to the exact number that David Fincher said he needed. <laughs> um, and he's like, I, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Except uh, that I told you. So I don't. Th- there actually wasn't a whole whole lot of information as far as like the production for cats um outside of like the VA the video effects people getting screwed yeah. real bad so i don't know i don't even know what studio did this do you know universal universal but here's the thing the actual producing studio mm-hmm. is the really useful group which is lloyd webers mm-hmm. and that's where your biggest problem is is that you this is a movie that has FX in literally almost every shot of the mm. entire movie. Yeah. Because like even that that bedroom romper scene, they only built three quarters of the set. So the background of every shot and that had to be filled mm. in. The movie needed to be treated by people who know how to do like a superhero movie. something, mm-hmm. And mm. you had people like the worst parts of Les Mis are swooping FX shots. Uh, Tom Hooper also directed. Sure did. And that's the thing. He has no experience in any aspect of how yeah. that works. He doesn't know how to integrate his camera shot into what CGI is going to be. You have Android Weber, who in his brain, because he's an egoist, thinks <laughs> that, oh, well, every movie I do is going to be the same. Because in his mind, the direct-to-video tapings of Joseph and Superstar mm-hmm. yeah. and Cats were real movies. He calls them real movies. Which is weird. They are. But they're not. Better shot stage films, but they're not. They're not movies. But they're, yeah, but that's the thing is that that's still building off the stagecraft of what he had built for Broadway. Right. Like, and even his movie movies, with the exception of Evita, where he had Alan Parker at the helm to be like, mm-hmm. no, Andrew. Um, <laughs> I should bring him up later. So keep that Oh, going. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they, Superstar was like, let's just get a bunch of hippies drunk in, those stu- in, the, mm-hmm. in this desert and film a movie. Like, that's what <laughs> his film versions have been. So he has well, no clue what amount of work. And he's the one, like... Universal distributed it really useful, paid for everything. Okay, that makes sense. So that doesn't really answer your question. No, but it does but... in that like there's no single person to blame. Pretty much everybody at the Seems head of anything fucked up. Yeah. I mean, some more than others. I, I don't know how an art director came into this and had it. Like, what do you even do? <laughs> like, um, I'm assuming it did have an art director, but like everything was CG, so. <laughs> well, but the art director would have been like, all of the furniture pieces in the bedroom, all of the kitchen tables and such for Jenny Any Dots. Like, it's, Even it's deciding really color palette for yeah. this shit. And the color palette was, like, tough. It was it was hard to be around it, pretty much all the time. And it, Well, it, it didn't vary much. Yeah. Like, uh, the the set with Jenny Any Dots, um, I actually kind of liked, liked that set. Uh, it was, like, a dirty, sat- like, a high saturation, but, like, a little dirty. Um. Like it, it had a, I mean, as I describe it in the, the first part, kind of a Smashing Pumpkins vibe. Um, uh-huh. uh, t- tonight, tonight. I, I yeah, I, I, that's exactly what popped into my head when you made that joke in the, yeah. fir- in the first episode. And it just, I, I've not been able I'm to un- unthink of it. it after, you know what? This is a sidebar. But like after I wrote that joke, I was like, no, it doesn't remind me of that music video. Specifically, it's what the fuck's his name? Billy Cor- Corgan. It's, it's that every child mouse looks like Billy Corgan. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of want to watch the movie a third time just to see what you saw. I 
was so uncomfortable that I had to like dig deep into my psyche to be like, what is it about this that's bothering So now I'm going to see clips of that and just immediately <laughs> think in the back of my head, the world is a vampire. <laughs> Well, it also almost looks like there were two different art directors that didn't talk. Yeah. Because a large chunk of the scenic design is meant to look 30s. You've got the mm-hmm. 30s car. You've got the theater. Um, the kitchen looks 30s, 40-ish. Mm-hmm. The bedroom looks 30. But then you've got a lighting designer that went, oh, the show's set in the 80s. Let's do eight neon everything. Right, And right. then the milk bar, which the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. Um, just a bunch of cats coming in after the bit about of the ultra violence. So. <laughs> <laughs> They're about to get lost in the matrix. Oh my god! Um, Drink I think I think t- time time and ego is as often is the biggest enemy to this production. Yeah, um, fantastic. <laughs> uh, man, I don't know what we're going to possibly talk about, but what didn't work? Uh, Let's just watch the movie. Let's, uh, no, tw- <laughs> twice was enough. Uh, cast. James Rebel- Corden. And- <laughs> James Corden yeah. and Rebel Wilson. Yeah, just frankly, it. Like I, so I feel bad because I feel like Rebel Wilson in particular is one of those actresses who gets like shit on by the like right wing chuds on the internet. Hmm. Okay. Um, oh yeah, and I. I don't know a lot of her stuff. So part of me wants to mm-hmm. like her just so I disagree with those Right, no, I, I feel that, yeah. But also she was fucking terrible in this. Because when I was talking to Belinda about it, I'm like, who the fuck is Rebel Wilson? I hated her. And she's like, why? Uh, I'm like, I watched the movie. And <laughs> <laughs> um, she gave me like some background on who Rebel Wilson is as a person. I'm like, that's that's fine and all. Like, I didn't really know her before this. But so I'm I'm living in a Rebel. I was living in a Rebel Wilson vacuum and I loved it. Uh, and now I'm not. And what I experienced immediately stepping out of the vacuum was her and cats. So yeah, yeah. politically, I, I have no it's, connection to her. She just—it's a awful. really bad introduction to Rebel yeah. Wilson. <laughs> it, She's a younger Melissa McCarthy. They're both in that same exact lane. That's that kind of what Melissa said. Yeah, yeah. It's not—it's not a bad comparison, honestly. It, especially considering the way they that they both have been cast in comedies over the past decade or so. They do play similar roles. They fill—they fill similar niches. Maybe I'm projecting onto Rebel Wilson, but she very much feels like a lazy actor. Like, I think this performance in particular, all of her improv, all of, uh, and it, it, it really does come across as lazy. It's lazy a, and needy. I have a yeah. feeling that it was, um, like, for that one, I had an impression that it was a directorial thing of like, okay. just do, like, this thing's happening, say some one-liners. Do comedy. I go. would not be. Yeah, and then like dance monkey. Yeah, like if at I that point, seen her <laughs> shtick at the Oscars. Mm. I'm like, oh, you. This is the same shtick as you had in the film. Yeah, which I hated then, and I hate <laughs> even more now. I hate. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. I don't know because I've seen her in other things and okay. enjoyed her. What like is, what uh, else is she in? Pitch Perfect. Uh, alongside. You no, know I didn't see that. I know. I know you didn't see that. No. Uh, but not enough guns. <laughs> <laughs> She's in a metric ton of stuff. She's actually. in a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's just pitch, pitch perfect is always just what jumps to mind for me. There's um, something where she plays a stewardess that she was really good in, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Brutal. I'm willing to give her another shot, but from my only exposure to Rebel Wilson, I cannot stand her. I think the other thing that happened was like, so a they were like, hey, do one-liners, mm-hmm. go. And they keep letting her into, like, other scenes to do one-liners and horrible moments. And then the shot lingers after said one-liner for, like, a full second. It's 
it just makes everything worse every I mean, time that, it happens. That's the editor's fault. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, very weird. It, it highlights like, oh, this moment is clanging and continues to clang. Yeah. Like, it just makes everything she does look even worse. Yep. It does very much feel like the movie was edited for laughter and applause breaks. <laughs> but but that that's, a good, there were that's a good way had. to put it. Yeah. But there were none to be had. <laughs> Uh, oh God! See, all right. Well, thing, Jags. Well, one other, well, no, one other note I want to I want to point out sure. here, and I, I only know this because of the Lindsay Ellis uh, "Why Is Cats" video that I shared with you all. Yes. Um, Didn't watch it. So <laughs> there. So in in talking about Jenny Any Dots, mm-hmm. uh, well, I'm talking about a lot of the musical pieces. Like a lot of it's not supposed to be just sung by that one cat. Like it's supposed uh-huh. to be the entire. Like they're like other cats are coming in and singing about these characters. A lot of it's the whole m- colony singing most of the song uh i think uh skimble shanks Straps, sings most of that as well right mm-hmm. but yeah but, the, but yeah there's input from these other cats like kind of helping to highlight like what's special about this specific cat they're singing about mm-hmm. and in the jenny any dots number there's um like the like the little jazzier p- uh, parts in the yeah. in the interstitials are a three-part harmony and it's this really awesome, like Andrew Sisters tight, like like flashback, and it's uh, wonderful. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, and it works really well as a three part harmony. But then you hear Rebel Wilson doing it, just her. Like there's nobody else, untrained singer. Her. Yeah, it's yeah. and the fact that she eats her performers goes totally against the lyrics of what the character <laughs> is. Beyond being just nightmarish, right. <laughs> It's less nightmarish when it's CGI faces on cockroaches and it's garbage bags put on to be cockroaches. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole garbage. Yeah. Th- <laughs> Obviously, they took the garbage theme out and made it just garbage. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. Well, y'all wanted to stand up for Rebel Wilson. What do you got to say about James Corden? Fuck him. Apparently, the guy's an asshole and that's the only <laughs> thing I ever know about him. Yeah. Well, from from what I've heard, like behind the scenes, he's a giant dick to his staff, to his crew, like just a woefully unpleasant person to be around and work for. I think he like so I don't have as mu- I don't have as much like want to like James Gordon uh-huh. as like as I do for Rebel Wilson. But the like I think he suffers from the exact same stuff of like the, you know, the direction is. Hey, do some one-liners mm-hmm. and let's linger on you for way too fucking long while yeah. you do it. He went from obscure to name with an update of Shakespeare's Servant of Two Masters called, was it Two Masters, One Governor, something like that in Britain. It was all the exact same shtick that he does in Cats. And I have seen him do other stuff where it's not relying on that exact same friggin' shtick every time. So again, they went, well, let's throw out Bust for Jones. It's really fun cat who's proper mm-hmm. out the window so we can smack James Corns in the balls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they stick out the most as worse because they are not playing characters from the show. Yeah, they totally don't fit. No. Now, whether that's their fault or the director's fault or the producer's fault or the key grip's fault, who knows? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the scripts. Um <laughs> Any other cast that we want to talk about as being? I mean, we talked a little bit in the first part about um, Victoria and how expanding her part doesn't really work. But like, I don't think that was the actor's fault. No, mm-hmm. um, I feel like there's someone that sucked, but I just can't remember because my mind has blocked them out. How do we, how do we feel about Idris Elba's? I, I was just going to ask that like, same question. I think I'm I'm so told to like his performance that when he sucks, I'm like. 
He was still good. That's the thing. It's like, I, I, like, I like, love I, Idris Elba so much. Like, everything I've ever seen him yeah. in, I've really enjoyed him in. And it just, it, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch this performance. I think there are a couple of moments, especially early on when he's not being so goofy, but then mm-hmm. they, like, goof him up. McCavity! Yeah. Like, the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, like, after after he goofs a couple of times, like, I, I cannot take him seriously yeah. anymore. I don't know if that's a casting problem because before those moments happen, Idris Elba as Scary Magic Cat mm-hmm. fucking works. Yeah. I don't think that's yeah. a casting issue. I think it's either performance or direction or both. Like, yeah, I agree. I think it's very much the direction on him. Mm-hmm. I also get the feeling that he wasn't there for most like it feels very much like he was cgi'd into every scene except the final one where he gets Hmm. inarguably the worst fuck over by the cgi ever when he takes off the hat and the coat yeah it's it's the worst nightmare naked idris elba yes naked that should be the thing of my dreams and no why why doesn't it work because i feel the same way i'm like why am i so disgusted by portions are off the proportions like okay Mm. as big as he is as a human male Uh they didn't apply those to him beginning the cat so he's got He's got a funky ears that don't match what the rest of his body is. And it just. He's like broad shoulders, itty bitty waist. Well, it's that, but it's also like itty bitty ears. Yeah. And his ears are so tiny. Yeah. Okay. They don't work with what, like he's just supposed to be a tabby cat. And. I think the, the, the shininess of the fur also, it doesn't yeah. look like, so like if it were like glistening it, uh-huh. skin, that would be one thing. It's and like, if it were matte fur, that would be another. It's like, like the like, midpoint between them. The satin fur just looks a little frightening in a bad way. Yeah. And it al- almost, I almost wonder if their direction was, we'll make him look pathetic so we feel bad for him in that moment. It didn't mm-hmm. work. It yeah, yeah it super <laughs> didn't work, no. But it's... <laughs> okay, so we don't think it was his fault. I don't a... think it was Idris's fault, but it was. Oh God, choices were made. Themes. I I have themes weren't bad. They just were execor- executed poorly and muddled. Yeah, that's fair. So you were saying this is a concept show, so it doesn't really have much plot. It's all theme. Um, but theme is cat. The, but the theme is cat. It's like that's that's where we're cats. at. And that literally, if cats had opened three years earlier or a decade later, it would be forgotten. Hmm. It would have never been a hit or anything. It just hit at the right time when people did enough cocaine and the wealth was growing. <laughs> that it became. It wasn't about the show. It was about the power position of having seen the show. Hmm. Ah. This was the first show where for years you I couldn't see. get tickets. This was the very first mega musical. It was Hamilton. Yes. Didn't mm-hmm. matter if the show was any good. It was the show to see. see. You'll note things like normally Broadway shows, every poster has like this quote from the New York Times. This mm-hmm. It was the fucking eyes. There were no mm. critical <laughs> on the poster <laughs> for Cats. I was going to ask you um, what the critical response was for Cats at the time of its, the, the stage show um, at the time. Of it its was release. a very mixed reception. Okay. No, there were very few people that outright loved it. Um, the choreography got a lot of praise. The score got a decent amount of praise. It won Tony's because, well, what else were you going to do? <laughs> right. You have what you have. Yeah. And it it wasn't like a sweep of the Tony's or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of one of those shows like Bye Bye Birdie, where at the time it was a huge hit. It was a huge deal. But now the theater community kind of looks back at it and going, hmm. were we really that proud of that? <laughs> gotcha. What, what are shows where it's a very loose framing device just 
put a bunch of songs in. Contact. Fosse. What's the term for it? Those are usually reviews. Okay. Mm. Or jukebox musicals. Okay. Like Mamma Mia mm-hmm. is, well, here's That's a very unique story, but yeah. let's throw all the hits of ABBA in. Jersey Boys is at least a biography mm-hmm. where we threw the songs in. Um, you would not say Cats is a one of those. No, because it's not pre-existing. Well, it's not a mostly pre-existing score. Okay. Sorry, Andrew recycled a bit. But... <laughs> gotcha. So, like, theme that didn't work is Cats. They did me. accomplish Cats. <laughs> right. But, it did, like, as a theme for a piece of media, Cats is not a theme that I think is a good theme to leave <laughs> and be done with. <laughs> well, I think... The authors put certain themes in it, but were too cracked out of their skulls or too stupid to realize they were there to expand on them. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of rebirth is a Thank great you. thing to build around. Yeah. And it's fascinating. And there are moments when you're like, you understand why Grisabella would want it. But other parts of it, you're like, okay, so Skimbleshanks has a great life. Why would he ever want? Right. You know, if you dig in the story, there was an accident caused by him. That's why he would want to be reborn so he could go back and re- redo the accident. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Yeah, that, that's that really makes good. Way more sense, yeah. yeah. But they're not, you know. Same thing with Jenny Any Dots. Wait, is like, that in the lyrics or is that in the? It's poem? in the lyrics. There's a little. You gotta dig. God. Gotta dig a little deeper. Uh, I hate uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing: the, the creators could have and come up with something so much more. You know, the sense yeah. of community, addressing the fact that, like every society, the capital bitches to one person. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and it's there, and Grisabella gets the best of the themes coming through yeah. but it's still you could really bring that out in the fix i i loosely address rebirth and um it's it's present it's it's almost like it should be the backbone of the story well and there's abandonment and abandonment mm. yeah you know and how many cats are out how many cats don't have masters and then what about yeah. you know skimbleshanks is a work cat like yeah <laughs> Is am I remembering this correctly? Does Mistopheles have a collar? I honestly don't remember. He doesn't in the stage show. Okay, but like he, he would have to have a master because they talk about his family always saying, "Oh, where is that cat?" And he's like, oh, on the yeah, roof. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, but maybe he has bad owners, and that's why he doesn't have a collar. Hmm. Story. What didn't work? I am wondering. So I haven't seen the stage show. Um, I feel like the, it's not a review, but like this, like song about cat, song about cat, like this one and done episodic thing for a movie. I think that didn't work because it didn't present a story in the format of like sitting down and looking at your TV. I I have songs loosely attached to a weak frame. Mm -hmm. Just like, for example, books four through six in the Dune series should never, ever be attempted to be filmed. <laughs> <laughs> there are – because you to, – to properly change something from one media to the other, you have to make changes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Some of the very worst movies are word-for-word adaptations of a novel or mm-hmm. a play. Um, whereas other times, you know, you make the changes going to the screen and they're amazing. So one of the things that gave me a lot of trouble with fixing this is this story should not be a movie. Um, when you're coming up with a story, and we're all writers, you have to decide what is the best way to present this story. And Cats, as a stage show, is about as good as it's going to get with the story you have. As a film, it does not work at all. 
Like that story should not be filmed as a traditional narrative. Um, I think you would have needed a, a more concerted attempt to to mimic the st- maybe not mimic but like build off of what's presented in the stagecraft of it and translate that into film and that's a fucking feat like that's not um, an easy transition to make and it's like they it's like they they tried to eschew it more than address it. Uh, I well, I'm trying to remember the the von Trier film with Nicole Kidman that takes place on a stage. Oh, Kill Bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dogville. Dog thank Bill. you, thank you, Dogville. Yeah, yeah. Um, which like, fuck Von Trier. Fuck Von Trier. I do like that film. Um, but it's it's minimalist stage, right? It's like all uh, um, strike tape. Am I thinking of the right thing? The whatever the tape that goes on the the theater floor. Oh yeah, uh, Spike. Spike. Spike yes, tape. Oh, Spike okay. Tape. I have, okay, yeah. I have heard of this. Yeah. Um, it's a rough watch, but I I enjoyed it. Well, enjoy is not the right word, but like I, <laughs> you experience it. Yes, um, I think that there is a space for making a, a a movie look more like shooting it more as a stage show, like having elements of the stage in a traditional film. I think to take what the stage show is and, and shoot it more cinematically isn't gonna work. Mm-hmm. Um, one, it's 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 one location. Um, the and it's it's still a very wireframe with songs attached to it. Yeah. So like I I would like to bring on, bring elements of like costume and lighting and set to from the stage show to the film, but as far as the narrative goes, it's still thin. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I'm like, this is one of those things where I don't know if you could like make a fuller plot without the whole thing falling apart anyway. We'll we'll get to that All in right. a minute as far as like the fix goes, but w- what I have so far is not a fix. Um in order to fix this, you would have to break all the parts apart and start from scratch. Um make a completely different basically movie. make a completely different movie. <laughs> uh, but the thing is so Cats the stage show is um, you need like three good runs of cocaine because it's two hours <laughs> and 35 minutes long. Yeah. The taped movie that was released on mm-hmm. PBS is only two hours. I think so. Yeah. And then this travesty is like 145. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In shrinking it, they made the mistake of cutting all the what's referred as restative in the opera world, but it's okay. sung dialogue between the by cutting the recit, which is where all the different cats come in, as you had mentioned, like different people singing different songs. Uh-huh. There are at least transitions from number to number in the show. That would make show. way more sense. And mm-hmm. the movie doesn't have any of them. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. m- m- like ninety percent right. mark. I think you had brought that up when we were doing the original watch too. Yeah. There, there, there's that. There are those, those. Bits of connective tissue there that are just completely lost in this version. Yeah, like how do we get from Jenny Anydots to Bust for Jones? Like yeah, how do we get from A to B instead of going from A to Z with skipping everything? We're like Amazon. <laughs> it it is very jarring. Especially, I think that's why specifically I don't like the Skimbleshanks number because it's like it is very jarring. We just went from Gus being kidnapped to happy, and that whole kidnapping thing—just the way they address it. it I do You're right. Try... They never acknowledge that somebody's gone. <laughs> I do fix that. 
that's that was an easy fix. Um, Cut it completely. <laughs> yep, uh, there there is no McCavity. Um, <laughs> oh, no. um, all right, last thing, and then we'll we'll go on a break. Uh, what didn't work as far as production goes? Uh, Tom, Tom Hooper. <laughs> the, the I just have the CGI's like. Not the shit on them because they they didn't have a chance, but like the CGI did not work for this film. I think the 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 proper time and resources were not were not dedicated yeah. to allow the CGI to work. Like it could have, but when you're forcing when you're forcing those people into those crunch scenarios yeah. and you're like actively talking shit on them through yeah. the process, it's like, what did you expect to happen? Um, and that's really the only thing I can comment on as far as production goes because like. It, the costumes were CGI. The sets were CGI. The lighting was probably half and half. Actually, a bunch of glow sticks in a fishbowl. <laughs> they took my method. Uh, <laughs> so, so I, the I, editing could have been better. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to throw the editors and uh, even like the the way that they chose to frame a lot of the dance numbers pulled a lot of the power of whatever dances were happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Whoever decided to have tailography in each shot. <laughs> <laughs> I get, as a cat owner, that cats communicate with their tails. Yeah. Synchronized tail dancing when it is, like, it's the original Raimi Spider-Man, there's no weight to it problem. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just, mm, tail. I mean, hairography is one thing, not tailography. It, it was no. a decision that was made, yes. Um <laughs> Well, oh, golly. Um, with all that in mind, Vince, do you feel like it earned its accolades? As in the Razzie? Yeah. The n- Razzies. nine Razzies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we're going to fix it. We're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to do it. I don't believe you. We're going to do it. And cut the ads. <laughs> Welcome back to Drazzled. If you enjoyed Cats, I'm sorry. But we're going to make it even better. <laughs> and here's how. Uh, <laughs> what a fucking intro. Nailed it. Landed. <laughs> landed. Perfect oh. landing. <laughs> <laughs> we're, to the surprise of no one, we're recording both these parts in the same day, and I'm very tired. Um, I'm starting to see shit. Starting What's to see in shit? that straw? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> how... How expired is that beer? It's a. Uh, it's actually just the leftover effects of seeing cats twice. Oh uh, yeah, you know he's been seeing shit for days. CPTSD. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what that means. <laughs> yeah, not complex. Cats. Cats. <laughs> uh, so I'm recasting Christ. Jenny Any Dots to the surprise of no one. Yeah. Fuck that. Uh, Joe, I asked you for suggestion. Oh, are you going with my suggestion? I did. Uh, yes. Originally, I was ah. thinking the actress who was in Booksmart. Oh, um, mm-hmm. okay. But after you recommended uh, I check out Rachel Bloom, um, I watched her music video on uh, fuck Ray, ba- Ray, ba- Ray Bradbury. Uh, fucking Ray Bradbury, yeah. Yeah. Or fuck me, Ray Bradbury, Fra- rather. Fuck me, Ray Bradbury. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> please isolate that clip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she was fantastic and funny and could sing and dance. And, She's brilliant. I love her. Um, she may not have the star power that this Rebel Wilson broad has, but, uh, 
your 1960s is showing again. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Just tuck that back into my pants. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, also, Buster Jones. James Corden's got to go. Hmm? I'm shocked. What? I know. Shocked. Um, <laughs> obviously, you took all of our opinions into account before you made this decision. Yeah. yeah. Three days ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The the person I went with it's it's so obvious that I feel like it, the offer was made and rejected. Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, My face sake. <laughs> God, um, your parents I feel specifically like, chose his face. Yeah, I feel like that should be like on a dating profile. <laughs> like what you're looking for, height, blah 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 blah. Face sake. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Oh yeah, mine's the boosh. The... <laughs> so I and I I went I went with Nathan Lane. Mm. Oh hell yeah! Like, why would you not at least offer to him? Well, I'm looking at you, Rob. Like, y- you know something that happened, Rob. Why didn't you offer? Why this didn't to you Nathan offer Lane? This to Nathan Lane? <laughs> uh, why? Because Nathan Lane on film does not tend to work. Ooh, mm. I disagree. I've seen Mousetrap. <laughs> <laughs> talking about musicals did you see Uh, the producers i saw the original one i the film of the broadway show just he's doing a stage performance on film and it doesn't work that's kind of the entire cast and crew though too because the director the director stroman didn't know she was fuck she was doing yeah because the director of the film is the director of the stage show if i'm not mistaken Hmm. and the whole thing is filmed as a stage show on New York's real streets. It does not work. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it's a very thing? faithful adaptation, which does not serve the film well. As we've learned, faith is a waste of time when it comes to film. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting real loopy. I can't, I, can't, uh, I can't wait to hear what you just did in the recording when I'm editing later. <laughs> do you think Nathan Lane's, I'm going to call it heightened reality, would work for Cats? Not if we're doing Bustopher as he's meant to be. Mm. Oh, so I don't know Bustopher as he's meant to be. He's much more. Honestly, fan casting, I would have thought Patrick Stewart. Really? Ooh. Whoa. Ooh. So this is a completely Ooh. different Bustopher. Because Bustopher is very prim and proper. And like the Patrick Stewart you see in those commercials with Mark Hamill is Bustopher Jones. Like it's much closer than what we got oh. from Horton. So we're going to re. I actually really like that because we are fucking reuniting Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. Yeah, that's, what my, that's what I was just thinking too. Just as many projects with both of them. In I thought you were going to say making it a different character because his character right now is too close to Jenny. Any dots? But no, you're right. Uh <laughs> I, I and I watched the stage show. It, it just it didn't stick. Um, <laughs> he's just very prim and proper, and he's like, "Oh, if I'm fat, so what?" I always wash yeah. my hands, and I use a napkin, and I polish the silver, and which I like that more because it, it varies from the previous yes. stick we just saw. So, yeah. um, so his character in the stage show, the thing that makes him special is how posh he is. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's not what I got no. at all. No, this. considering yeah. like the the degree to which he is just rifling through the trash and jamming whatever he can find into his gob. Just... And it, it, okay. I, he's not that at all. Like he does the nibble with the pinky up kind of thing. The key is he's the St. James and Street cat. Yeah. That's like saying he lives in Central Park West. Mm. I'm... He, he lives in the Squirrel Hill of... Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> He's in uh, one of the Victorian houses that hasn't been split into apartments. There, there it is. Oh, that, see, thank you. That makes way more sense. Uh, Squirrel Hill. God damn it. God damn it. We're from Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> and I am super cultured. Uh, 
So if if we were going to go the same direction as um, James Corden, I would go with Nathan Lane. But with the character as originally presented in the stage show, Patrick yeah. Stewart, which is what we're now going to do in this fix. Sorry, oh. Nathan. Uh, sorry, Nathan. Love you. But I mean, Nathan Lane can do a better James Corden than James Corden can. <laughs> that I'm by 100 uh, percent. But just the what you're describing, that musical number fits better in. Oh, I, I, I just thinking about it makes me happy. This is, oh. um, we're gonna move on to crew, but before I list them off, um, so the way that I want to take this movie isn't gonna work. But here's what we're gonna do anyway. Um, quote unquote fix. <laughs> I was watching this YouTube video about somebody like talking about their experience with cats. Um, specifically, this is the person that, like rewatched the Rum Tum Tugger bit until it was like erased. oh yeah 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 um <laughs> until all of the sounds and sights <laughs> just disintegrated into their right. component parts yeah uh and i was thinking like she was talking about it as though this was a world that she got to step into as a child which i i could see that um and then having that be all cgi and losing that ability to step into the world um would suck so I compared it to the movies that like I grew up with as a kid that I'm like, this is a world I want to step into. Like the original Star Wars trilogy, anything by Tim Burton, um, any of the movies by, and this is the one I'm picking for uh, this, this adaptation um, is any of the Terry Gilliam films. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, his sets are always amazing. They're, they're excluding some of his newer movies because he couldn't get any funding. Um, they're all real tangible sets and he's and they're still goofy as shit they're goofy as shit and they're cluttered <laughs> and i love it so i wanted to take something as far as like the the trash dump um where you have all this clutter and crap um but make it fun uh so i stole terry gilliam's set designer norman garewood who did brazil um I was thinking Fisher King, but nobody knows Fisher King, so that's fine. We'll go with Brazil. Um, he also did Princess Bride, uh, which is another world huh. that like you feel like you can step into and like be a part of. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the next is so like I feel a little bad doing this because I wrote I wrote the fix before I wrote the movie production part, right? Okay. So like I was still very much like didn't understand what had happened with the uh video effects people okay so my solution was as it usually is ditch the visual visual visuals uh effects so you have real costumes i still agree with that even though it wasn't the mm -hmm. vfx people's fault they were given no time that was one of the things i was thinking about while watching this was like costumes would be more fun even without the uncanny valley i think there's just only so much you can do by like making humans fur covered like they they said tom hooper was like i want people to think these are cats like that is the goal of the vis visual effects which you can't do and if you could do it i still wouldn't want it i think it i think even well done it will fall into the uncanny valley because the closer you get there's you're still not shooting for human you're <laughs> shooting just shy of it you're gonna land there all the time i would that's my opinion much rather see people in costumes um like and and this is the example I'm going to give because of the person I'm stealing. Um, her name is Rita Ryak. I must say, how do you spell it? 
Uh, R-Y-A-K. She's a costume designer for The Grinch. Hmm. I thought you were going to say that. Really? That's exa- no, because uh, as, as you were going through that, my brain suddenly uh-huh. started thinking like, well, what if they did like a, like a make like a prosthetic uh-huh. makeup thing where they have more of a cat like mouth? Yeah, yeah. And then I started thinking about that fucking Grinch movie. Yeah. Like, I hate yeah. that movie, but it's a it's a favorite in my family. My I, aunt, my aunt goes out of her way to, to to quote it all the time. It's your aunt. Sucks. It's not the biggest abomination to the name of Doctor Seuss. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> Um, oh, cat in the Hat, right? Although she also yeah. did the Cat in the Hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. Which, which like, makes sense. Like, very similar. Yeah, of course. Um, was right not right. the problem with that movie. <laughs> Mike Wires was. Um, <laughs> and I don't know that they need to go full prosthetic. They could. I would like to see like a mock-up of it. But somewhere in between, like, the, like I look at the Grinch, and I'm like, that is Jim Carrey in a in a costume. Oh yeah. Um, but it conveys the character so well too. Yeah. Uh, she also did Casino um, and the Hairspray remake. You put the Grinch in um, Casino? <laughs> yeah, while never... he was selling hairspray. Um, she also, <laughs> and I, I don't know this at all, but just because she was nominated for a Tony, I figure I should say she was nominated for a Tony for Casa Valiente, Valentina. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it was a flop, but yeah. <laughs> well, she was still nominated. Yes. Uh, I'll take it. And we're getting rid of Tom Hooper and replacing yes. him with Alan Parker, uh, Alan who did Avita <laughs> uh, and Fame. Um, which are two movies and that I and Bugsy Malone, right? I think he did Bugsy Malone. He did the wall, uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Oh uh, hell yeah! And um, uh, it can still be a fever dream. Yeah. Oh, it it will it will be. <laughs> uh, and um, he's shown he can do fever dream well. <laughs> if you really want to like have an awkward movie night with your family, watch Angel Heart. Um, but he also proved with Evita that he can pull emotion out of mediocre lyrics that have Andrew Lloyd Webber music. <laughs> well, there yeah. we go. So he's okay. He's got all the prerequisites mm-hmm. we need to make this not terrible. He has said no to Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber in the past. So, yeah, this guy's my great. hero. Um, <laughs> he's does this those... mean we have to wait for Webber to die oh, and yes. be dead for seventy years? Oh, oh okay. there's that. <laughs> uh, and then okay, so like that's that's the crew that's been gathered. The cast has been gathered. Um, as far as like production goes, you're not recasting Taylor Swift. Oh, oh we didn't get through the rules because I forgot. So yeah, typically we only recast two rules. Two rules. Oh, never mind. Okay. Yeah. So really quick, just to go through our our general rules, um, we have to keep, and this is what, again, fuck me, we have to keep the general outline plot of the thing we're fixing. Um, which we, I mean, given you know we ha- there's the stage show backing there, so like the, it's not that hard to do, but right. But, like, in order to truly fix this, I would have to decimate it and start from ground. You'd have to break the rules of the game. Yeah. Yes. It would um, be Dogs the Musical. To be, fair, we have, <laughs> to be fair, we have broken the rules of the game. We've, we've bent them. Uh, and then the, the other role is that, like, we can't have anything in our fix that the production would have had at the time of its making. But since this movie's so new, it doesn't really yeah. matter. Yeah. So this is the only time we've done a movie that has been this recent. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, if anything, we are backtracking historically. We are, yeah. 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 Um, So, we did not recast Taylor Swift. Okay. Uh, I I wanted to take care of the two two biggest problems. Um, Despite despite the teasing of of having done that that we gave in the last episode. uh, Surprise. (laughs) Yeah. Nope. She's, She's here. Uh, we tried, but she she just wouldn't <laughs> she leave. Wouldn't leave. Um, if she's still here. We uh, here's the thing: we would change about Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. We would have her on set for longer and give her new dance moves to learn. Ah, uh, but that breaks the role of oh. something the production couldn't have. They couldn't just... have her for more than a week because <gasps> she was she was touring. If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. correct. 
this game sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. If they had had longer with Taylor and had kept the characters written, I don't have a problem with her in the role. Sure. Same. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. No CGI set or costume. Corrective is fine. Mm-hmm. The cockroaches and mice, stop motion. Ooh. Um, Your Tim Burton is showing. My Tim Burton is showing. For sure, yeah. But it totally um, embraces the vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I feel awful not being able to think, of, but like whatever the studio is, specifically who did um, Coraline is who I'd like to get. Mm. Um, I think it's Henry Selnick. Sel- yes. Is the director, but I don't remember the studios. Um, McCavity does not CGI poof in and out. <laughs> Instead, he he... Kind of like the Cheshire Cat from Disney's Alice in Wonderland, the animated one. You see his eyes disappear and reappear in shadows. Oh, and then you have the eye motif from the poster yeah. that you're kind of playing with there. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and then all the cats can react to it instead of ignoring the cavity. Yes. <laughs> yes. I never thought about how weird that is, but that's super fucking weird. And then for the perverts, um... <laughs> <laughs> to all of us. Because we haven't done enough for the perverts already. <laughs> you rang. Um, you know how in like a video game, sometimes they allow you to have like the gore on and off? <laughs> we have the butthole uh, toggle button. <laughs> oh, there's Choose your own butthole. Choose your own butthole. God damn it. So that's showing up in the description for this app then, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. Um <laughs> so any anything we want to add as far as like production, cast, anything like that, um before we get into the story. Um before well, before we tackle that, um in terms of Coraline, were you talking about um is it focus features Leica Entertainment or Pandemonium? Leica. 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 Yeah. Okay. That yeah, that's the company that you're referring to then. Yes. Okay. The, them. They wouldn't do it. Why am I answering your question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I had originally thought production wise, mm-hmm. um, after we watched it, based on the Amblin stuff, I had originally thought that like maybe like really high quality animation would have been the but I I think in like keeping the as much of the spirit of the stage show as you can, like grand costumes is like absolutely the way to go. And it's super weird that they did basically nothing with it in this production. Yeah. There's always been this talk of cats as an animated feature, and honestly, I think it would be worse than what we got. Mm, really? Because it is a story told through dance. Mm-hmm. The dance is the only thing that has consistently made it stick out. I talked about rotoscope at the time, but even then, I think it would like take away so much. Yeah, you would lose huh. the... You could have some really cool animated dance, but it wouldn't be the same. Right. Uh, now I'm a little bit stuck on the idea of cats means a scanner darkly. <laughs> Mm. Speaking of fever dream. Speaking of fever dream. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, What's Robert Downey Jr. doing right now? Fever dream. Being rich. Fever dream. Oh, um, well, right. <laughs> right. Um, the one thing things I have to frequently do for this show is separate what I would like to do versus like what would fix it. So like what I would do is I would do the animation as well. Uh, but I, I I still think like I, I, to I your agree point with costumes and real dances. I think that right. is a fair point. Yeah. yeah. As much as I would really like to see an animated version of this, it's a valid point. I would ignore that, agree with it, and then ignore it, <laughs> um, and get uh, probably probably an animated an anime studio to work on it. Hmm. Um, Trigger. I'm not. I don't know my anime studios well enough, but 
Uh, I, just think, that, I just think it'd be really funny for the people who did Fooly Cooly to do this. Oh, those, those people. Oh, my God. Um, something that, like, shows the exa- ex- exaggerated movements of the human body. Um, I just watched this one called Megalobox, where it's, like, about it's about boxing, which, yeah. like, I couldn't give a fuck about normally, but, like, the way that they animate the human body and um, the movement is fantastic. Hmm. Um, so, like, But it's not for dancers. What? Dancers can watch it if they want. <laughs> uh, I'd like to apologize to all the dancers out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm deeply yeah. sorry for the things that I've said. Um, let's do the story. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. We fade in on Soho. Trash piles up on the street corners. Sewage stagnates in alleyways. In the distance, we hear a fight that ends poorly. We crane down to a side street, the sounds of a desperate city interrupted by the purr of a 1974 Panther DeVille saloon. The car idles. Its door opens only wide enough for its owner to toss a sack. The car pulls away, but before it turns, disappearing forever, a pearly white cat emerges from the sack, giving chase. She calls after the car. Mama, mama, wait! The only response is the cough of exhaust as the car skids away. The cat holds tightly to its ruby red collar for comfort. Stitched along the band is the name Victoria. The sounds that first lured us here amplify. Terrified and confused, Victoria mouths the word mama, though nothing comes out. A breeze pushes steam from a sewer grate through Victoria, chilling her. But on the wind, we hear the words barely louder than a whisper. Jellicle cats come out. This is the voice of Monkestrap. Startled by the sound, Victoria spins to see. There it is again, this time spoken by Mr. Mistopheles. When said a final time, it has the gravelly voice of Macavity. She spins, pleading to be left alone. So that's our opening. <laughs> uh, that is way more gut-wrenching and really really helps emphasize like the trauma that this yeah. cat's coming into this setting in way yeah. darker than original cats for sure um well that that was something that i thought was missing from the musical is the stakes like there's mm-hmm. no i'm not worried about any of these characters like yes mccavity is scary but like oh he's gonna take you and put you on a boat with Carl Pans, well, that would be scary. <laughs> Being on a boat with Carl Panzram would be horrifying. Um, yes. Okay, so this is like running gag that four of us understand. Um, Carl Panzram was a, I guess, yeah. serial I, killer. I, again, yeah, that's fair to say. Again, if you didn't listen to episode one for some reason, <laughs> not that we explain it there either. Uh, but Carl, that's fair. Carl Panzram was a sometimes dock worker, sometimes boat dude. Um, very gruff. Uh, a violent person. Violent human being. I do, he is technically a serial killer in that he killed more than three people, but he didn't. It was more like he killed because of the life he was living rather than searching for people to kill. Yeah. Um, Listen to the last podcast on the left series about him. It's fascinating. Um, and for whatever reason, I think it's hilarious to think of him as a cat. <laughs> on a barge. It's deeply hilarious to think of him as, think of him as a cat <laughs> on a barge. <laughs> Carl Panzram the Barge Cat. I want to watch that. Um, oh, weird. That's actually... T.S. Eliot wrote that. Hold on. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> uh, I shall continue. Um, we pull back, watching the cat as though stalking her from the rooftops. 
She's alone in the dark. Then as the overture trickles in, a warm light illuminates the street. Cutting to Victoria's eyes, we see the reflection of the Jellicle Moon, crescent-shaped, reminiscent of the cat's logo. It takes her breath away. We cut just behind Victoria, rendered small below the massive yellow-orange moon in the sky, centered above a ma- an equally massive junk heap, the reflection of the moon catching on bits of metal. With a mixture of desperation and hope, Victoria says that she should be able to see her mama from atop this, uh, the heap. Victoria is passed by other cats going in the same direction. The overture begins to swell as Victoria makes her way up the side of the garbage mound. Seeing an opening, she pokes her head through. The song gives way, beginning in earnest. The mound is shaped like an arena, empty at its center. Occupying the space is Monkestrap. As he sings, he is joined by the cats of London, each cat of importance getting a slice of screen time. Rumpelteaser and Mungo Jerry push past uh, Mistopheles, who stumbles, dropping his hat. When he crouches to retrieve it, he sees Victoria entering the heap below. In another clip, we see Grizabella making her way up to the highest peak of the mound where no one can see her. Her eyesight is poor. She feels around for a place to sit. So in the stage show, Grizabella looks rough. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. In the movie, she looks fine. Just snotty. Just snotty. Snotty and sad. She needs a tissue (laughs) and some therapy. Um, So much therapy. Uh, It. Uh, this is completely unrelated and not a useful observation in Great. any way, shape, or form. But for some reason, the phrase Jellicle Moon evokes the idea of just like a fruit gummy of a moon hanging uh, in the sky. It's just delicious. It's, yeah. I don't know. Is it I'm, like a gusher? Yeah, mm, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I'm like this. <laughs> I think we're all a little hungry. Uh, <laughs> for side reference, for the revival, most recent ones of Cats, Grizabella is actually wearing a bit of a corset. Under the ratty coat oh. to hint uh, at what her backstory is. Okay. Uh, okay. So she, she was a sex worker and that didn't go well? Uh, she was Satine from Moulin Rouge. Well, that means nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> she Close to a sex worker. She, she had a sugar ah. daddy, was a performer on the stage, maybe took some extra gentleman collars. So you're telling me that my observation that Cats is part of the Moulin Rouge cinematic universe is not incorrect. God. Not horribly off, no. Damn it. <laughs> Janet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, um, but I wanted I wanted Grizabella to look like she was on her last leg. Mm. Literally. Literally. She has one leg. She's the one like a cat. Oh, no. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> the at, saddest thing. At this point, my question is, um, Victoria, uh, she she hears Jellicle cats come out mm-hmm. on the wind. It, has she... Has she noticed them, or is that just sort of like a background thing, um, or is she frightened of them? What is her reaction to this? Because it seems like she's way more concerned about the moon than she is like impending cats. I mean, so the, the way moon's I a f- gusher, I'd be concerned too. Fuck off, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> the, way the way I imagine it being framed, as far as it being shot, is you, you ever see the cover of like Castlevania Four, where it's like Simon Belmont, real tiny at the bottom, and then there's like the gate, and then there's a mountain leading up to the castle. Yeah. Well, Victoria is the, <laughs> the Simon. Oh, so they're they're not like nearby moving toward. They're not like coming closer to her and she no, no, can't no. see them. She sees exactly where they are. Yeah. Okay. That, so like that makes so much more sense. Perfect. The the moon is almost calling to them to mm. go to the arena underneath. And so she's like, oh, if I go up there with them, maybe yeah. that'll give me yeah, an yeah. advantage. I'm genuinely impressed you worked a Castlevania reference into this. I'm so pleased with myself. <laughs> I know you are. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> but once once she gets there and she sees because she's she's not been exposed to other cats. Um, she's been a house cat since she was a kitten. So this is all new and exciting. She's scared, but she's also like, what is this cool shit? Yeah. Andrew um, Lloyd Webber cats deep lore. Right. <laughs> uh, with the key players assembled, we watched the song prologue, Jellicle Song for Jellicle Cats. It is presented as it is in the film. Victoria makes her way to the arena floor where the action plays out. She's looking for her mother, yes, but she's also dumbstruck by the spectacle. When she finally finds herself standing beside, uh, before Mungastrap, the song ends. The clouder of cats suddenly aware of the intruder's presence. They scatter, disappearing into the many pockets and tunnels of the trash heap. Victoria gives chase, saying she's just looking for someone. Victoria makes her, her way through to the other side of the heap, only to discover she's entered a graveyard. Dark and empty, Victoria calls out for the jellicles. A pair of glowing yellow eyes answers. Though unseen, this is McCavity. He toys with her, saying she's not a jellicle, and therefore no one will notice if she goes missing. But he says she's lucky, as tonight he's in a hurry to go to the ball. So instead of her life, he'll only take her tail. We get a partial glimpse of McCavity's face. His ear tattered, his face marred from fights barely won. He raises a clawed mitt, Victoria screams. But before the paw falls, there is a poof and a spark, and from above we hear Mistopheles graciously stumble to Victoria's aid. <laughs> this delays McCavity more than it stops him. But when he sees that he's surrounded by the rest of the Jellicles uh, here to back Mistopheles, he slips back into the shadows. So... In the film, we get a little bit of the cats feeling out who Victoria is. Um, it it doesn't quite land perfectly for me. Yeah. And also, as as pointed out in our s- summary last episode, why the fuck does uh McCavity care about Victoria? So he's a bit more of a psycho in this. Yay, psycho! Yeah. I I wouldn't so like I generally think it also makes him actually menacing in a way yeah. that he's not in the movie adaptation. Right. Yeah. In the stage show, is he like I know that there's not like any real plot for him to actually be the villain, but is he He's the closest thing it has to a villain. But it, but is he like is he does it land at all? Is there any menace to McCavity? Yes. Oh, okay. Because there's Dun, 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 dun. But it's and all it's like music cues. Heated motif, like all those transitions we t- transitions we talked about them cutting. Yeah, a bunch of them are McCavity stuff, and but, it's always mm. like they're constantly like, "Where's McCavity?" Like they see him where he isn't. He mm. also doesn't look stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he got big old hair. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, he does actually take over for old dude Marani at one point, mm. and then there's a big fight scene. Gotcha. Something I forgot to ta- touch on a little bit re- regarding T. S. Eliot. Uh, is, he was a massive uh, Sherlock Holmes fan, and oh, right. he was channeling—he's literally channeling Moriarty into McCavity. That's the, like, the Napoleon of crime thing is directly ripped from. Uh, is um, Moriarty described as the Napoleon of crime? In, I think at some point. Holmes. I've never read. But, <gasps> oh, I know. I know. <laughs> so, so it's also in McCavity as criminal cat is in. The T.S. Eliot poems? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, the actual T.S. Eliot poem for him, like, talks about how, like, what a criminal mastermind he is and talks about him, like, toppling governments and shit. It's a potential, <laughs> like, it escalates really hard. Story. It's bonkers. Well, and, and the stage show does the thing where you don't, you're over an hour into the show before you ever see him. 
but everybody's been taught. So you do mm-hmm. that anticipation, anticipation, you know, it's, yeah. And yeah. you made sure to make him invisible still at the yeah. beginning. You're only seeing his eyes and like a paw. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's a lot like the repeating, the repeating line throughout the, the, the original poem mm-hmm. is, but my cavity's not there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's way better. Free of immediate danger. The delicals hesitantly approach Victoria, circling her, smelling her. Smooth rumple teaser removes Victoria's collar. She only realizes it's gone when Mungo Jerry starts a game of keep away. Victoria pleads for its return, the collar being her only connection to her previous life. Mungo Strap plucks the collar from Mungo Jerry's paw in order to read the name stitched into it. This cues the naming of the cats, mm-hmm. recited by the Jellicles. Victoria is given her collar, which she immediately slips back on. This slides into the ballet number, Invitation to the Jellicle Ball, the subtext of which is that Mungastrap is feeling out whether she's safe to have along. Jealous, Mistopheles interrupts, shooting a shot, and while Victoria is amused by the cat's antics, she doesn't have time to respond. The Jellicles are on their way to pick up Bustopher Jones, who's that, like, one asshole's never on time. <laughs> uh... <laughs> On the way, Strap explains what they're doing and why. Uh, one will be picked by Old Deuteronomy and given a chance at a better life. Bustopher Jones's song, Bustopher Jones, um, I originally had it written as it pretty much remains the same, but since we've recast it with um, Sir Patrick, Patrick Stewart, Stewart, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's still the same song. It's mm-hmm. just not acted like a buffoon. Yes. Yes. Um, you laugh at Bustopher because you like him, not because he's an idiot gotcha. twat. The, th- this actually gets to something that I've liked about the treatment so far, which is mm-hmm. there is a why to the things yeah. that are happening. Yes. Um, including why we sing about the names, why we're explaining this shit to Victoria who yeah. nobody knows from yeah. anything. So with Bustopher, my, qu- my question is, speaking of the theme of rebirth, mm. in Bustopher's song – do we know why Bustopher wants to be reborn? Because so far, it seems like his life's fucking awesome. I think it's Jenny Anydots who points out that he wants to be reborn specifically to become chunky again, right? Oh, oh. So it's I, I, I can see it then not even necessarily as like getting fat again, mm-hmm. so much as like, I had one good run. Let me go for two. <laughs> I like that read. One yeah. more again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah Bustopher doesn't feel like his life is sucked or anything. He just wants to do it. Redo it. He yeah. is a like uh, the he's gluttonous in the like not not even just food sense, but in like the full hedonism. Yes, <laughs> I dig that. Um, he's a cat with actual spats. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know what we can change this to because this is written with um, mm-hmm. Nathan Lane in mind. Uh, so as his song is continuing, he he exits his own damned song because uh, he's enticed by the smell of garbage, sweet sweet garbage down the alley. Um. He's like, hold on a minute. Uh, and like fucks off that in alley. Oh, the other cats could totally be teasing him with dishes of caviar and salmon and small things okay. that just distract him to pull him away because they think it's funny that anything upper class he'll chase uh-huh. after. Oh, okay. there we go. So I like that. I, we can still have this iteration of Buster Jones head down the alleyway. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, is, it, is that some, what, 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 what do rich people eat? I don't fucking know. Caviar. Caviar. Is that some caviar? Uh, and like McDonald's, but not the dollar menu. <laughs> oh, it could uh, even be like, oh, this is beluga and not this kind of caviar. Yeah, I mean, right, hyper right. specific is the way to go on yeah. beluga. Yeah. Um, and as as he's heading down the alley, and the rest of the cats are still in the middle of the song, and they're like, where the fuck did he go? Uh, we see two yellow glowing eyes illuminate over his head, and then we cut. 
Mm. Real quick, do we skip Jenny any dots? She comes after. We, she comes after? I no, she she was, she? In, in the movie, she comes first. That's what I thought. In this, she's coming second. Okay, cool. Um, specifically because her song flows into Rum Tum Tuggers, which flows into Grizabella's. Um, okay, so, we, so we've just identified another thing the film fucks up. <laughs> um, it's just choppier in the film. Uh, so we do Jenny and Yoss song, um, The Old Gumby Cat. Um, it remains the same, but we do stop motion with the cockroaches and the mice. Uh, I want the kitchen to be a little grotier, um, and I want her acting to be less desperate. So this is stop motion inside an anime? Correct. Okay. Er, 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 live action. Live action. Stop motion inside live action. Yeah. When I said anime, that was like, for me personally. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, That's why no, I was no. like, we doing some Deathly Hallows stuff here? What? No, no, no. Uh, this, this adaptation is more like the producer came to us and they're like, help. As they um, should have. Rather than like what Jack was like, if I could do cats, I'd make it an anime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know Carol this, Channing. You know yeah. what this show is missing? A bunch of Gundams. <laughs> 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 oh, That's what makes me. a Gundam cat. Oh, God. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, God. Uh, so more, more like Beetlejuice where okay. you have the mm-hmm. stop motion. Yeah. Um, so Rum Tom Tiger's scene um, also remains the same, but instead of him being startled off by Grizabella, um, like in the movie, it's weird. He He's doing his song and dance and then he like jumps from the milk bar into the streets, sees her and just fucks off. <laughs> like there's no reason. Uh, this it's busted down old cat. <laughs> right. Oh God! Uh, so he stops. He stops the song as he sneers. It smells nearby. Um, like he's in the middle of doing his funk thing. Stops. He's like, "I smell that fucking Grizabella." Goes over there, confronts her. She does she sing there in the movie? I can't remember. A little bit. She has like a little bit of a song. Um, but this is cut off when Bumbalarina scratches her across the face. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, seeing the mistreatment of Grizabella, Victoria decides to follow after her, Grizabella, as she flees from her attackers. attackers. Um, so, Buster Jones, Old Gumby Cat, Rum Tum Tugger, I want these to be like over the top as smarmy as they are in the show. Um, because I want, one, I want people to realize these are people that are basically auditioning. Hmm. But you don't, you like them, but you don't want them to be chosen. Um, whereas the way they're currently presented in in the movie is it's a dance number. <laughs> yeah. Um, like mm-hmm. only through like you telling me, Rob, you telling me that like the, they're trying to be chosen. Was I like, oh, okay. Well, the so there's one other piece to this, which is tough. And that is the person who's deciding this is old Deuteronomy. And not even here yet. Not yeah. even here yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not quite sure how to get around that. You would probably need. I mean, you'd have to re, you'd have to introduce her earlier, um, or you could ham fist something in where they're like, "Hey guys, this is what I'm going to do. What you think?" I'm wondering if you could have her so like almost the opposite of Macavity, where uh, she is seen mm-hmm. and like deference uh, is shown. You okay. understand that she's super fucking important, but her role is not explained yet. Okay. Um. So because we know. Judy Dench, 
we know she's going to be some important in some way. And even like the way that the other cats are around here or yeah. the way you set up shots. I mean, you can you can imply all of those things. And then uh, so she's seen you don't explain what she does and she doesn't talk yet, um, mm-hmm. but she is watching. Um, she's not the focus of these scenes, but right. like you see that she's there and you see her watching. Um would that fuck up something later? It would, but I think I have a fix. Oh, so there fix is for a fix. Um, so the next thing that comes, well, I'll, I'll get to I mean, it. what do you think of that, Rob? You're making. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so Old Deuteronomy's entrance song is just st- really pretty music, mm-hmm. but nothing ties it where it is in the show. Mm-hmm. So you could easily stick the "Can it be really?" after the Jellicle, like the naming of the cats. You could do yeah. Deuteronomy's intro before you get to Bust of Her. And musically, it makes zero change to the show other yeah. than moving a pretty song forward because it's completely different. It doesn't sound like anything else in the rest of the show. Yeah. Is it near an act break in the show? No. Oh, then, yeah, you can move it where the fuck ever. Yeah. I was I'd, I like that more. What I was going to suggest is that it's more ceremonial. Like the mm. song is like ceremonial to the act of the Jellicle Ball mm. um, where they like put a robe on her or something like a step forward old Deuteronomy but no I like your idea better and you like, could actually keep the whole Deuteronomy's acknowledging Victoria where it normally would occur because it just takes her that long or him whatever you know right Deuteronomy takes multiple numbers to oh there's a new one here mm. yeah yeah let's do that mm. um, it's it's now canon to the Drazzle cut <laughs> um, <clears throat> so Victoria's ran off, ran after Grisabella Victoria not knowing the streets becomes lost. Sounds indicate that McCavity is nearby. We don't see his eyes. We just, we hear his. That motif. Yeah. Musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bum, 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 bum. That one. Uh, she is saved, quote unquote, by Teaser and Mungo Jerry. She explains that she's lost and wants to go home. She describes her mama. The two say that they know exactly who that is. They then proceed to break into a house of a wealthier family. They give Victoria a taste of what it's like to run with McCavity rather than be chased by him. Rumple Teaser and Mungo Jerry, uh, the, the, or sorry, the song Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser plays out with the same amount of threesome energy. Um, do, do we have to? Yes. Uh. <laughs> there are. They're I villains. Mean, I know I'm I know I've <laughs> oh, I've no. been painted and painted myself as the the house pervert for today, but someone had to. Like threesome incest cat porn is just where I draw the line, you know? <laughs> um To be fair, they could be half siblings because a cat litter can have multiple fathers. Why does that help? No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the, the... <laughs> Rob! <laughs> First of all, cats. <laughs> on your viewing history. <laughs> <laughs> and how close you are to West Virginia. <laughs> Just lost that entire fan base. <laughs> Goodbye, one person. Look, I, uh, you know what? I take back what I said because just based on like what is produced in terms of porn in general, sibling shit's pretty hot right now. So yeah, you can we're, get away we're with just, it. Fuck it, We're Jack. aiming for that market. <laughs> yeah, there we go. You nailed it. Oh, Congratulations. No. No, what I what I wanted to say was like I want Ugh. their uh, Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser their sexual energy to be directed at Victoria rather than whoever's in the room. <laughs> it's a competition as to who gets her. So yes. it's, so Ooh, they're, they're, okay. So they so they saw her sitting at the other end of the bar and really like her vibe. Yes. Okay. Okay. I I can stomach that a bit better 
it's it's not like a weird creepy villain type pervy anyway yeah. <laughs> uh so the song plays out blah, 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 blah. um they're looking about the house for her mom um she seems to enjoy <laughs> i have it enjoy playing with the energy of these mischievous cats uh the song having finished victoria hums the song to herself still exploring the house for jewelry to swipe climbing onto a vanity to reach a jewelry box victoria discovers a family picture tucked into the mirror she takes it uh she takes it seeing a smiling woman with two happy cats curled on her lap it starts to set in that she never looked that happy not with her family she starts to say so as she hears one of the siblings coming up behind her however when victoria turns she's startled to see jenny anydots who looks awful in shock jenny shows victoria where her tail used to be all that remains is a bloody stump before victoria can run the unconscious body of Bustopher Jones falls in her path. Perched above is McCavity, the aged brute revealed in full for the first time. Dressed to resemble kind of a Jack the Ripper, uh, McCavity opens his long long coat, uh, adding Bustopher's tail to his collection of severed tails. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this got dark. In the best of ways. This, this was the lighter version of <laughs> there was way more killing than like my original anyway uh he tells her not to worry he saved a spot for hers on the other side okay so like maybe it's a little dark <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but you're giving immediacy and a villain to a piece that needs the, the yeah 100 percent. um i originally wanted to have him toss the deceased body of Jenny and Dots into the street to stop. <laughs> Good lord. Um, I, but I didn't. <laughs> okay. I applaud your restraint. <laughs> uh, she runs. Uh, McCavity gives chase, though we only see his presence through the glowing eyes and the glint of claws as he bounces from shadow to shadow. Uh, as he chases, he mocks Victoria and her desire to live among them, the people. Sure, they treat you like royalty, until they don't. It's hard not to feel like McCavity is speaking from experience. Victoria dives out a window, and McCavity jumps out. He is caught off guard by the explosion of confetti and horns, a trap of party favors set by Mistopheles. <laughs> uh, that's that's great. <laughs> we cut to Mistopheles and Victoria running around a street corner, the sounds of a furious McCavity not far behind. Mistopheles tells Victoria that he went looking for her, not wanting her to miss Deuteronomy's arrival, which we'll have to fix in a second. Uh, initially hesitant, given how she's seen the Jellicles act. She follows when Mistopheles says Deuteronomy may know how to find her mom. Kind of a great Wizard of Oz type character. Like, Deuteronomy knows all. So oh, is Cat Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of, I... Uh, um. Uh, Deuteronomy's arrival, it could be uh, just the ball. Um, yeah. It would extend the dialogue into, I came because we're almost at the ball, and then she's like, no, 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 you guys are assholes. I saw the way you treated Grisabella. And she's like, all I want to do is go home to mom, and then he's like, well, we can help you do like Deuteronomy. Um, uh, and mom is literally her mother cat. No. No, her mom owner. The owner that chucked the her out of the car. The cruel developer threw her out of the car. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, d definitely a theme of like adoptive family running through this. 
So uh, Deuteronomy's arrival, it's subsequent, blah, 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 blah. We're not doing that anymore. Um, so they go into the theater and the action stops as they wait for the Jellicle moon to move to the center of the circular window above, um, which is kind of a cool shot in the film. Um, the biggest difference is that the big number, the Jellicle ball, is meant to mark the start of the Jellicle celebration. I want this to be a ceremony. Um, like, and I guess it kind of is presented that way in the film, but I want it to be like very clear, like, this is the opening song that always gets sang or dance or mm-hmm. whatever at the beginning of the Jellicle celebration. Uh, and the celebration doesn't stop, right? Like, the number keeps going into, like, other shit, but Victoria steps outside to catch her breath. She stops Rosabella. Uh, she, oh, sorry. She, she spots Rosabella down the road, noting that she is also missing her tail. Um, this is an old wound, not like a fresh thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she approaches Rosabella. Um, Rosabella sings her song just as she, she did. This is kind of where like my story kind of gets a little rocky. Like I, and even in the movie, I kind of feel like up until the point where the Jellicle ball starts, the plot can be kind of read linearly. It's after this point that it's like just a bunch of shit till the end. Um, so Grisabella sings about memories, a good life she once had. Victoria responds again. It's the way she did the film um, that she doesn't even have that. Um, this is her first, but in addition to her connecting with Grisabella, this is also her first step of admitting that perhaps her old life wasn't good. That her old family, her old life maybe wasn't how she remembered it and isn't worth searching for. Uh, Deuteronomy watches both of these from afar and I want to have a new song here one that details her many fabulous lives the subtext of which being that no matter how difficult the life of a cat they always have another and another chance uh, a chance of possibility to have a happier one so kind of the rebirth thing that you and I were talking about earlier Um, (laughs) here's where I do skimble shanks dirty Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean just saying the name sounds dirty it it does sound like something I'm like you didn't want to do that in the public bathroom, but you did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, inside the theater, we see Skimbleshanks waiting in the wings, anxious to go on. He mouths the word to his song, quietly tap dancing. Suddenly, from f- deep within the theater, he hears the sound of a train horn. You know, it's like wooden clunky things. Um, what's all that now? He tap dances his way down the hall, <laughs> following the sound of the horn. Finally, he arrives to the room where the, the sound is originating. He throws the door open, only to see Rumpelteaser and Mungo Jerry tooting wooden horns. Behind him, we see McCavity, his eyes appearing in the dark. Fuck oh, you. no. <laughs> you couldn't even give him, like, a little bit of his song. He did. He sang, he, like, mumbled it to himself. <laughs> <laughs> you fuck. He did a little warm-up tap. Yeah. And then, uh, and then he gets tail eviscerated. Rob, you, you, you can attest to this. The number of, like, musical theater people I know who will just, like, tap... Just tap, just like oh don't, yeah, they no, don't do insane. a tap. It's ridiculous. It's a it's a disease. I'm like you just <laughs> sta- like you're just standing there. We're waiting yeah. for something, and you just start tapping. It, it's as rampant as Kardashian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, Skimble Tranks. I know. Sh- I know. Dinks. I know. Quite a many a tap dancer who does exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> I may or may not have done it in a couple of classes myself. <laughs> um, it's contagious. Uh, Mistopheles looks into Gus's room, letting him know that no one could find uh, Skimble Shanks. So he's up next. Uh, we get the Gus number as is. Um, and when Gus steps backstage, cause his, his number's over, we hear, uh, McCavity mocking him using his asparagus name. Mm-hmm. Um, Gus is terrified. 
And as he tries to scream for help, it is drowned out by Bum Ballerina's song, which has started up. Ah. Um, outside, Deuteronomy extends a hand to the sulking Valor, uh, Victoria, asking if she'd like to see her pick the Jellicle Choice. Excited to be noticed by Mother, I mean the leader cat, uh, <laughs> Victoria happily follows. They enter a room full of properly fucked Jellicles. Um <laughs> <laughs> we still we still get the like Taylor Swift like fucking the cats up song. Yeah, um, it's not fixed. Like sh- she's an awkward uh, actor to have do that thing. Um, Again, time. Anyway, uh, gobsmacked, she scolds them, saying that it's time to to make the Jellicle choice, and demands that all contestants go to the stage. The only cat to appear is McCavity. He opens his coat, displaying the tails of all the contestants. He informs Deuteronomy that they won't be competing. Uh, meaning he is the only choice. She refuses. Furious, McCavity says that no one will be chosen ever again. He lunges at Deuteronomy, the two disappearing into the shadows. That's closer to the original. Yeah. It, this sticks pretty close to the movie, not because I want to, but because I couldn't think of anything better. But we'll keep going. Um, if you do have something better, let me know. Panicked, Victoria runs to Mistopheles, shaking him from his nip-induced daze. He tell, she tells him to magic Deuteronomy back. He tells her that, like, what he does is all sleight of hand. Like, none of it's real. Um, however, with some coaxing, he tries anyhow. Um, however, with each buildup of energy and each wave of his wand, he, he does materialize a cat, but one of the other kidnapped cats. Hmm. So he brings Danny Anots back. He brings Gus back. He brings uh, Buster Jones back. Um, and then he's, he's spent. Uh, then we hear the voice, a voice behind him, like we did in the film. It's Deuteronomy being led to the stage by an uncomfortably buff Skimbleshanks. Because um, <laughs> the cat was ripped. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen pictures of the uh, like dancer, the actor? actor? No. Uh, incredible looking man. I'll have to oh, really? show sometime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like uh, Decent cat. Great man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's... Yeah, fucking ripped. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he, so you're saying he could carry Dame Judy Dench. Yes. Great. <laughs> While everyone celebrates, Victoria spots Grizabella watching through the window. She begs her to join, but Grizabella is afraid. However, when Victoria takes Grizabella's hand and puts it to her face, Grizabella melts, now having the confidence to go in with another person. Um, she does. Similar to the film, she sings until she collapses. Victoria spawns with a touch of her own song and the Jellicles come together to hold Grizabella as though that they have already chosen her before Deuteronomy even has to say so. Ooh. Um, and then here I have McCavity scene in my normal way of things. I would have him again, try to uh, ride the air balloon up with Grizabella mm-hmm. slip and fall on a Napoleon statue b- break his back on Napoleon statue but that does I don't want to do that because that's not kid friendly so what do we want to do I, I mean neither is severed fucking tails but sure <laughs> uh, he falls on the statue but he but he uh, he slips off of the head and on the way down the uh, his tail is cut off by Napoleon's sword <laughs> I, I had also considered that actually he well, still um, lands and he's fine because cat. Right, he's has, just has he tail lands on his feet off. just without a tail. Yeah, um, or less comedic. 
since the cats have always been afraid of him mm-hmm. once Grizabella is selected, if he goes to like push her out of the way and mm-hmm. they all stand up in the way. That would be good. If, you know, uh, and they cut all off suddenly... his tail. <laughs> well, no, but they like as a group, the colony banishes him because they will now yeah. all stand up for Grizabella as one of their own. That That's the best option. And I think the one who has to be like, fuck right off you has to be um, Victoria. Mm hmm. Because she's been tormented, the most visually tormented by him. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought about having him have a happy ending where like he the, sees the error of his ways. Nah, and... nah he's still an asshole. Uh, Grizabella <laughs> is floating off. We see her in the background in like a dejected um, he McCavity, like go returns home. But like Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser are there to like, it's all right, buddy. And like Grandpa Rough face pans rim what the fuck is this cat's Gra- name growl tiger yeah growl that's tiger. what i said um <laughs> uh like hey, it's all right buddy um i hate that one actually great yeah. uh and then the the other one <laughs> was him like scrounging around for food and having somebody like hey where's your little kitty and, like throwing a fish but that i don't really want to show people but no, like no, showing that like don't show people he can maybe rethink his his way of feeling towards people so you turn him into Grizabella. Mm. Yeah. He becomes the yeah. new Grizabella, so Ooh. you know there's a possible path to redemption, but you don't have to show it. Yeah. I like that. Maybe I... even with a mark across his face that matches what Grizabella had. That would oh. be a good idea. Yeah. I, I think some form of circularity would feel best. So mm-hmm. either he becomes the new Grizabella or he loses his tail. Those are the two that I think. <laughs> what if we... So... Judy Dench returns with Skimble Shanks, and um, we we then have the scene where McCavity comes in and is confronted by the group. Or we, it's 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 just a matter of like switch switchy swappy scenes, right? So like, or or he could do that when like Grizabella is about to launch. I think that's your better option. Yeah. Because then you should not only do you show them because if it's if that confrontation happens when Deuteronomy comes back, then mm-hmm. they're doing it just for Deuteronomy. Right, right, right. But I also do like the thought of having the the circular like he is now rejected, mm-hmm. um, so that he's sent out. I think that could I think that could still work with the timing that you're talking about, Rob. Like right before um, Grizabella is about to launch, and then when we when will we see him being like well like interacting with. A person it might have to just it might just have to be implied by like the facial mark that you were talking about or it could also be a shot of as we see grizabella lifting off we yeah. see him underneath that might yeah that, mm. that'll work yeah let's do that um and you could do you can even i don't know this may be taking a step too far um what you could do is if he comes back and his coat is destroyed because uh-huh. mustafa's magic was like right, right, it off, yeah, yeah. grizabella hands him her coat Maybe Ooh. he can pick up her coat or pick up, yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. To help you, it might be too much, but um, oh, I, like I don't that. think this this movie's got to worry about subtlety. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> as long as there's no tailography. <laughs> uh, okay, McCavity's banished. Uh, Rosabella's sent up. We get a shot. I kind of want to do a shot of like all the main cats, anyways, because a lot of the cats kind of get shafted at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Where it's like we've only focused on these last couple cats. Um, and then we'll, we'll also get a clip of him picking up her coat and like fucking off. So as it's, as it's happening, they're all watching the balloon drift away. The sun's rising. 
Hesitantly, Mistopheles asks if Deuteronomy could help Victoria find her way home. Deuteronomy says that she can, but knowingly looks at Victoria. Victoria removes her collar, tossing it aside. Mistopheles nuzzles the spot it occupied. Uh, Deuteronomy asks her what her name is, clarifying her jellical name, um, which she says is Bella Faustus. Bella, Bella Faustus. Uh, and then the movie ends because there, there, there's like no good way to end this. It's just maybe like a shot of the balloon going off in the sunset. But it, but a cat, a cat is not a dog. <laughs> no, I, but you I could, cut it. You could, <laughs> I cut. I cut that. You could do a lyric rewrite of the opening Jellicle Ball number Ooh. as a choral, just a short finale. Something about, or, no, of the naming of cats that includes a lyric that ends in, and that is how you found your name. Okay. Yeah. I like that. So like a little, little kind of ceremony for her. Yes. And then we get a nice choral thing to end. Yeah. For musical stuffs. Yes. It kind of felt weird to not have that at the end of the movie. Yes. There are very, very few that don't end that way. Okay. We, f- we fucking we fucking catsed. We did. <laughs> catsed all over the place. We we did we mm. Hey, you got through that entire one without shooting a card load all over the place too. <laughs> That's true. So I do have a suggestion Please. to add to your issue with how it feels like the second act rambles. Yeah. If there were a set time by which the Jellicle choice must be made. Oh, uh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Mm. That gives them a reason to, oh my God, we have to get these cats back to get this decision to be yeah. made or no one can make it. That that yep. also that solves mm-hmm. a, or addresses a, um, an issue I was having, which is why if we start the, if we start the Jellicle ball ceremonially, after some of the cats mm-hmm. have already started. I mean, we talked about mm-hmm. like whether Deuteronomy is there or not. I still yeah. feel like Deuteronomy need, needs to see yeah, these things. But um, if if there's a time limit, then it makes sense. Like, okay, the Jellicle Ball starts when the moon is up top, yeah. but we need to get shit going ahead of time because otherwise we'll run out. Right. Like once, because we have that visual indicator when the moon matches up with the center of the glass, mm-hmm. the the window up top but yeah. there could always be if it's rotunda when it reaches a certain other point on the other side of it yeah is when okay. the jellical choice has to be made yeah uh it could also be that um the ball is longer than that ceremony but that ceremony is just a really focal point yeah. within it mm-hmm. it makes me think about that episode of the simpsons where they're waiting for the light to hit the line so it's beer time again and that's what makes me happy <laughs> And, um, and in defense of Skimbleshanks, as much as you hate the railway cat, <laughs> uh, yes. it, it can be a trimmed down version, but uh-huh. here's why it's important to keep it. Because with the new song you've added, you've now got three ballads in a row. That's a good point. Oh, Jack, you, you fucking idiot. You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta put a bop in there to balance it. But Just, stupid bop. You, you have to, it is a stupid bop. You have to play with your audience's emotions so they don't uh-huh. feel them. Mm-hmm. People can... tune out after two, more than one ballad in a row. I mean, they do get kind of boring. Who can yeah. we put in to be Skimbleshanked so we can keep Skimbleshanked? <laughs> what? So I still want someone to be kidnapped by Teaser and Mungo Jerry. Mm-hmm. Is there a side cat somewhere we can just like, like toss in? I feel like it could still be Skimbleshanked. We it's can just... stick the rumpus cat back in. So do you think maybe do... <gasps> Ooh! No, no, <laughs> don't look so happy about this. I'm so upset. Vince He's got, got laser glasses. Here. Yeah. So how would we? How would we still have Rumple 
shank skins be kidnapped. <laughs> because when he hears the real whistle off stage, it pulls him out of his own number. Same thing as Bustifer with the food. Okay, so instead of having him like fuck around in the wings, he's doing his number. And then here's the he real train. He's like, I'm off to work, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I kind of feel like we actually did fix this. I'm not, I didn't. Okay. So there, you... there feels like a reason why we are moving from cat to cat in a way that did not sit in the movie. In the movie. Yeah. So, no, th- this actually feels like it has a flow as opposed to it being just a bunch of disjointed numbers kind of happening to us. And there's some stakes. How, and there's, there's some stakes. I, I didn't get to ask the question. Oh, let me ask the question. Ask the question. Because you're already answering it. Um, so what do you think about our derazzled film? Our derazzled version of Cats? I like it. <laughs> I, think, I, I, oh, I, think, I think it's a genuinely an improvement here. I think the narratively, it actually feels like a fucking narrative. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, it's too good to go to Razzview, but it may get a Golden Globe. <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't think it's a movie I would enjoy. Oh, you certainly not. Me, me, myself. But if, like, I was a kid and my cousin had it on, I wouldn't, like, protest and say we should put on Ghostbusters. Mm. No, I I think that this would function much better as a as a movie musical i think this this would this would have enough enough meat to it to like be able to enjoy watching mm-hmm. even though it is still going to be kind of a fever dream yeah. and well so that's the like the main problem that i had with the movie was there was the fever the dream version? no no mm-hmm. the original the main mm-hmm. problem i had with the original wasn't wasn't just the like horror show like uncanny valley fever dream part mm-hmm. but it was the fact that it was also boring while that yes happened. yes this this i feel like the 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 introduction of stakes the introduction of time limits the uh the yeah, more really like the, the more tangible fear of due to, uh, or of um uh, of macavity i think that all i think lends to a much more compelling experience well and you've done what the screenwriter tried to do and fail he expanded victoria to make it the audience's stand in and then yeah. didn't do anything to make right. that happen you've now given the audience multiple points of reference to put themselves mm-hmm. in victoria's place one of the thing one of the two of the movies i forgot the reference um that inspired this kind of take was labyrinth and the never ending story yeah um <laughs> which are both kind of fever dreams but <laughs> have a world you can step into yeah, that's I think that's one of the biggest failings of the of the of Tom Hooper's yeah uh, film is that the, like, the, like there's no world building there's no yeah. uh, it, you're you're thrown into a CGI hellscape and not given any kind of real grounding you're not given yeah. any kind of if, if for, for for how much he claims that he was going for this sense of grounded realism it is but I why? don't think he knows what those words mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, even like he couldn't have been because he was going for grounded realism in Les Mis and he made them all sing on fucking set. And then yeah. they didn't on this. No. This was pure lip syncing. So what What would you say the new Rotten Tomatoes score is for this version? Ignoring the audience. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is bonkers. I think what it had like, tw- I think 20 was the general? You said you said twenty was the general mm. audience was a fifty three. Yeah, I think you're right. That's nuts. Um, I think the audience would go up to a sixty. I think the audience would go up to like a seventy five because they're <laughs> less <laughs> critical, more forgiving, <laughs> more forgiving. Uh, critic score, the general score. Mm. Um, 
I think there's still going to be plenty of critics who just by yeah. nature of their feelings of cats on the on its whole would still pan it. Yeah, I agree. I and think it goes up to like a 34 though for me. 34? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, so. Okay. Um, Cause it, the, I could, the, I could the general see score it, is not just critical, I don't think. I think it's a mixture. I think I could see it going up at least 15%. So I w- mm-hmm. I'm going to say 35 at minimum. Okay. I think there's there's another thing that happens with Rotten Tomato scores, and it's if you can make it enough of a movie about movies. Um, yeah. Immediate bump. Yeah. That's, so, I mean, that's very true. I don't know if that translates into movies about theater. Um, because this will, yeah. this will have that quality mm-hmm. as long as, like, you don't fuck it up. Um, right. Because, like, Chicago did extraordinarily yeah. well. Who directed Chicago? Rob Marshall. From Pittsburgh. Do I know him? Hey. Oh. Um, I know Memoirs of a Geisha. Mm. He's doing the current live action Little Mermaid. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Um, he and his sister, Kathleen Marshall, went to CMU. No shit. Bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Alan Parker will, will, with this script, have no problem. And I think that's why you're underdoing your scores a little bit. Alan Parker's name alone is going to put some critics in a good mm-hmm. mind. And you're devaluing the aspect of you've improved upon the stage show from which it's sprung. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. And many times you'll see that where, oh, the movie's better than the show. So what would you put the Rotten Tomato score at? I'm thinking you're in the 50 to 60s. So. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. You're still going to get people, oh, it's a musical, and you're still right. going to get people saying, oh, there's a lot of cliche in this story. You've changed, mm-hmm. we, we've changed, but you've changed that tomato from a green splat to a red tomato. <laughs> <laughs> that. And that's really what we're going for. Um, what do you think about IMDb, which is currently 2.7 out of 10? Double it at least. Yeah, I think it break it breaks five easy. I think it breaks. I don't think it hits I'm six say or six. seven. Yeah. You think so? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like I, I think that when movies are fine, they mm-hmm. tend to sit at about a. Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. buy. I'd buy a six. High, high yeah. five, low six. Yeah. Um, fa- fantastic! Wow. <laughs> um, thank you, Vince, Rob, for su- suffering through this. Um, <laughs> having some great research. Yeah. On absolutely. I. Theater aspects. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed aspects. <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed both your pre- both of your uh, of your your presentations there. That was really good. Oh, sure. uh, great theater suggestions for the story. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. I I really liked that uh, like your inputs for this fix as well. Like that was like that was this is easily the most collaborative fix mm-hmm. I think that we've that we've put together cool. so like far. It. And yeah, that was a lot of fun. Like, thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you for having us. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Vince, would you like to plug anything? Uh. No, I'd like to my name to stay off my stuff. Sure. Uh, was there anything you just like like and want people to experience? Uh, I mean, I'm having M watch the anime Cowboy Bebop because uh, she's never mm-hmm. seen it before. So yeah, oh, if you haven't seen yeah. Cowboy Bebop, go watch the original because it's if, fucking great. If you haven't watched 1997's Cowboy <laughs> Bebop, uh, it is fantastic. Yeah, I, I yeah it's real good. Might um, be my, one of my favorite genre mashup thingies. It might be one of my favorite pieces of entertainment yeah. ever. That, that's fair. Uh, Rob? I guess I will plug the Pirates of Penzance in Carnegie end of March, first two weekends of April of 2022. Keep an eye out for that. Hell yeah. Joe? Uh, as always, you can follow me at JM Nealis at, uh, on Instagram, or I'll occasionally post some art stuff here and there uh and then in terms of us as a as a podcast you can follow us on uh, on facebook or instagram at d de- at a derazzled 
podcast and on Twitter at DRazzledPod. Please like and subscribe Please and comment. Like, and subscribe, comment on any any and all platforms. Use Please. your chaos magic, propel it into the fifth dimension. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> Would you uh, would please. you say that you would like people to smash that like button? Uh, this uh, is, I mean, gently well, we, well, press it. To be fair, we do have a YouTube presence, but so you yeah. could smash that like button. If you, that's up to you, I'm not going to make you do that. Uh, but please, please write it, reviews. Uh, rate it. Give us. Fi- uh, we would love some more five star ratings on Apple Podcasts, on Podchaser, on Good Pods, wherever you can do that. Please help us. Uh, help us get more recognition and. Uh, higher rankings in those search results on those platforms and uh, please tell your friends just share it around like we're having a lot of fun doing this and for the feedback we've been getting from people has been really kind and really and really great so you seem to have really tapped into a kind of stupid people connect with (laughs) and I'm and I'm grateful for that because I've never wanted anything more in my life Vince take it away what are are we promised to do we promised to razzle dazzle yeah yeah we do good night everybody (laughs) 